It's one of the most complete passages in a single passage in all of Scripture. It has everything we need to know about the Christian life in it. It has the waltz, as Chris did so masterfully for us. Repent, believe, fight. What we're talking about is a question that I've found many Christians can't even answer. One of the most important questions for a Christian who wants to live a godly life. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Are you filled with the Spirit right now? How do you know? You're commanded to walk in the Spirit. Are you walking in the Spirit? How do you know? You're called to abide in Christ. Apart from Him, you can do nothing. Are you abiding in Christ? How do you know? You're called to live a gospel-centered, grace-driven life. Are you? How do you know? What's it look like? All of these concepts that we talk about, do we even know what it means and how to do it? You know, Americans can be, if I may say so myself, very arrogant. I know. It's... You'll excuse my friends. They snuck in here. But, but we can be so arrogant. Like, we actually think many of the popular shows that we watch, we think we invented them. And we actually brought them in from you all. For instance, The Office started here in Britain. We just copied it. Pop Idol. You started it. Most Americans think American Idol is, is something we created. Who wants to be a millionaire? Most Americans think we invented that. You did. Whose line is it anyway? Most Americans think we came up with that. You did. And then, of course, one of the most wildly popular shows worldwide Strictly Come Dancing. In America, it's Dancing with the Stars. Do you know that for a season, for a while, it was the most popular show in the entire world? And Americans think we came up with it. But you did. I have, we have three children. They're all grown. Two of them are married, have their own children now. And two are boys, one is a girl, and I don't know what it is about daddies and daughters, but my heart was always so tender toward my daughter. I mean, it was tender toward my sons too. But I'm a guy, they're guys, you know, I, I feel more comfortable raising sons. So I had to try to figure out, how am I going to connect with my daughter? Well, I tried to find out what she was interested in. And when she was a teenager, one of the things she was interested in was dancing with the stars. Okay, I don't even like dancing. And I couldn't do what Chris did. I was so impressed. I couldn't waltz, really waltz, if you paid me a million dollars. 
But my daughter loved it. She loved the show, so I sat down and watched it with her. And I must tell you, one of the most beautiful dances I've ever seen is the waltz. It's flowing. It's smooth. It's continuous. It's intimate. And it really is just three steps. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. And we've covered over the past several sessions what it means to repent. See, when I was a new Christian, I thought repentance was something bad Christians did. But I learned over time that repentance is the normal Christian life. But we can't get stuck in the repent step. Otherwise, we, be, we become despairing. We lose hope. And so the beauty of the waltz is it's not one, 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 one. It's one, two, three. One, two, three. So repentance always leads us to a fresh glimpse of Christ. And the passage we used was Numbers 21, 4-9. through where the people of God rebel against God and against Moses, and God sends venomous serpents among them. The venomous serpents bite the people. It's a fatal bite. There's no escape. There's no anti-venom. The people then, first step of the waltz, repent. They say, we have sinned. And then God tells Moses to fashion a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. We know that that bronze serpent is a symbol of Christ because in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, preceded by John 3.14 and 15, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And everlasting life isn't just heaven. Everlasting life begins here on this planet as we experience, as it says in Titus, the regenerative power of God, but also the continual filling of the Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit, abiding in Christ. Now, I need you to stick with me right here because this is key. There was physical venom, physical poison coursing through the physical bodies of the Israelites because of their disobedience. When they looked to the bronze serpent, it wasn't mechanical and it wasn't superstitious. When they looked trusting in God's goodness and promise, something happened. Supernatural power was activated. Supernatural power was released. And the physical poison was neutralized. Men and women of God, we, for the most part, are tempted to forget that the Christian life is supernatural. The Christian life isn't deciding to follow Christ and then exchanging old values for new values. That's just moralism. That's just religion. Christianity is a supernatural relationship with the living God whereby we experience supernatural power daily as we repent of our sin continually 
as God exposes our sin through the Word of God, through each other, through relationships, through circumstances. By the way, that is the dance music. The thing you're most frustrated about in your life right now? The thing you're most anxious about? The thing you're most worried about? It's waltz music. And God has orchestrated it to lead us to deeper repentance, to expose the dirt of our souls so that just like Israel, we would say, we have sinned. But we wouldn't stop in hopelessness. We'd look to Christ. And that fresh look of faith to Christ activates and releases the power of the Holy Spirit. Repent, believe. In Galatians 3, the Galatian controversy was that they believed they were saved from hell by grace through faith. But then once they were Christians, they thought God changed the rules. So that you're saved by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone, but you're changed by human effort, by trying harder. And so many Christians live a life of repent and try harder. Repent and try harder. It's a two-step, not a waltz. Repent and try harder. Confess and recommit. Now, I hope you can all see with me that there's no Jesus in that. To confess and recommit, there's no Jesus. Why even be a Christian? No, it's repent, believe, and then there is a life to live. There is, in fact, a fight step of the waltz, and that is what I want to focus on this morning. We've, we've just focused on the believe on page 21, but if you have your booklets on page 22, I want to camp out this morning on the fight step of the waltz. Now, the beauty of Titus 2.11 if there's any, if doesn't, people don't have booklets, uh, Mark has them right there. And by the way, uh, if you read through the notes in the booklet, it will catch you up if you didn't, weren't able to join us for the, for the three sessions uh, yesterday. And Titus 2 is so good because it reminds us of a very important truth in, in, in verse 11 of chapter 2. The grace of God has appeared that brings salvation for all nations and it trains us to say no to ungodliness and yes to righteousness. There is a mistake that some people make when it comes to grace. Some people are emphasizing grace today merely as the unconditional love of God for undeserving sinners. And make no mistake, it is that. The grace of God is the unconditional love of God toward undeserving sinners. When we hope in the grace of God, when we hope in our justified standing and our adopted status, when we least feel we deserve to hope 
in our justified standing and adopted status. That faith is looking to Christ that releases supernatural power. But grace isn't merely the message of God's unconditional love for undeserving sinners. Grace is also supernatural, transforming power toward desperate sinners in Christ. See, if grace is just a concept, then people can abuse it. And they can say, grace, grace, I can sin, it just doesn't matter. God loves me. But if grace is a power, and when we hope in it, it releases and activates supernatural power, then grace actually transforms us and propels us into fresh obedience. See, people love to have a debate between James and Paul. That, that Paul was just faith alone and Christ alone by grace alone. And James talked about works. Well, actually, there's no disagreement at all. The faith that looks to Christ activates and releases supernatural power that then propels us and compels us into fresh obedience. That's why the waltz is not just repent, repent. And it's not just repent, believe, repent, believe. It's repent, believe, fight. And guess what? As we seek to fight the good fight, and I'll talk about what the fight looks like in a moment, fresh sin is exposed. And the music continues. And we go back to repentance. And we keep looking to Christ. And then we step out in new obedience. And then we realize we fail. And so we turn back to God in repentance and we believe the gospel afresh. Walt, okay, this, this is important. Waltzing will not fix you. This, this isn't the key to the victorious Christian life. Waltzing won't fix you. It's simply how broken people with broken lives live in a broken world until Christ comes back. However, all the while experiencing substantial transformation, we do progress in maturity. We do progress in sanctification. Sometimes it is oh so slow. But we keep on repenting we keep on looking to Christ. We keep on trusting the promise of God to release supernatural power. Just like in Numbers 21. If you, can, if you can put yourself in the physical wilderness with real snakes, real bites, and real venom, and you can picture physical venom being neutralized, then you can understand the Spirit-filled life. Repent, believe, supernatural power. Fight. Now, there's an interesting passage in Joshua chapter 3. God tells the priests to carry the Ark of the Covenant to the edge of the Promised Land. The Jordan River is at flood stage. And he says, when the feet of the priests touch the water, the waters of the Jordan River 
will supernaturally stand up in a heap. Almost like a miniature Red Sea miracle. Now what I don't want us to miss is we repent, we have sinned, we look to Christ as the Israelites looked to the bronze serpent that activates supernatural power. We step out in new obedience. But sometimes the Father waits to show us His supernatural power until we've stepped out in new obedience. You didn't earn it. It's all by God's grace. But the fight step is so critical to the waltz that fresh power shows up as we step out. So the Israelites were called to obey God and go into the promised land. They were called to carry the ark. And when the priest's feet touched the water and not before, the miraculous power of God showed up. You see, it's not that we merely repent and merely believe. The Spirit-filled life is also by the Spirit us choosing to put to death the deeds of the flesh. And sometimes the power doesn't manifest itself until we step out. So why do I use the fight language? Well, Paul did. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. So the fight is first of all a fight to believe. We've got to keep the promise of faith activating and releasing supernatural power. But there are also so many metaphors in the New Testament about fighting. The, the Galatians 5, the flesh wars against the Spirit. The Spirit wars against the flesh. The whole Old Testament taking of the promised land actually does carry over into our appropriation of every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Look, did God promise the land? Yes. Did Israel have to fight to get the land that was promised? Yes. How can they both be true? I don't know, but they are. God promised the land and Israel had to fight. God has promised us in Christ every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And He also calls us to fight. Just like the Israelites had to fight the enemies, we are called to fight the enemies of the flesh. And so Titus tells us how to fight. Actually, the, the whole New Testament tells us how to fight. Have you ever noticed the structure of Paul's letters? He always spends the first part of his letters talking about the Gospel of grace and our identity in Christ, our union with Christ. And then halfway through, he says, okay, now that I've reminded you to look to Christ, now that I've reminded you what it means to appropriate and activate and release the power of God by looking to Christ. Now, in light of that, I want you to live like this. And see, we need to be reminded how to live. Because we battle in the fight 
the world, the flesh, and the devil. You ever wondered how you can read a novel in a weekend on holiday without putting it down? And you can't read your Bible for five minutes? It's not that you're lazy. Well, it could be. But it's probably not that you're lazy. Every godly impulse in your life, in my life, is resisted by an alien power that God has providentially allowed to remain in the Christian. It's called the flesh. Indwelling sin. It doesn't mean this is evil. There's an, there's, there's an alien power in every single Christian. And it resists every single godly impulse. That's why you can talk to a friend on the phone for three hours and you struggle to pray to God for three minutes. Your flesh is resisting you. And that's the fight. That's why we... I so wish the church was more honest with the sheep. The Christian life is a battle. And it will be a battle to the day we die. It doesn't get easier. In some ways, it gets more and more intense. As the world and its value system gets more and more anti-Christian, the battle gets more and more intense. And we haven't even gotten to Satan yet. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against world forces of darkness in the heavenly places. Now, I think sometimes we give Satan too much credit because really we have enough of the enemy in ourselves and the flesh to, to really make the Christian life a battle. But you need to know Satan hates you. He hates you because God loves you. And Satan hates God. And hate, Satan hates everything God loves. So therefore, Satan hates you. Oh, by the way, he hates your marriage. He hates your kids. He hates your vocation. He hates everything about you. And he's constantly firing away at you. That's sobering. That should lead us to waltz. Oh God, I have sinned. How? I've lived in self-reliant, self-sufficient, self-confidence when I battle a supernatural enemy that hates me. I'm not praying for my marriage the way I ought to. I'm not praying for my children the way I ought to. I'm not praying about my vocation the way I ought to. I have sinned. But I believe the gospel. Your love for me has not changed. Your delight in me has not changed. My standing and status has not changed. And I'm going to look to the promises of the Word, the promises of the cross, the promises of the blood, the promise of the Spirit, and I'm going to trust that you, the way you activated supernatural power and neutralized physical venom, you're going to neutralize and transform sin in my life so that I pursue new obedience. And now I'm going to step out in new obedience like the Israelites touched the water of the Jordan, and I'm going to believe that as I step out, even more power is going to be released in me. Now, 
the battle is not just saying no. The battle is also saying yes. Yes to submission and surrender. To the Lordship of Christ. That's part of the battle. I battle every day surrendering my life to the Lordship of Christ. I want to take control. I want my own agenda. And it takes a constant battle to submit to the Lordship of Christ. Saying yes to intimacy. What's the fight step of the waltz with respect to intimacy? It's using the ordinary means of grace. Look, you're not a lifeless stick flowing down the current just saying, let go, let God. God's going to zap me into a desire to read the Bible. No, we are called to fight the good fight of faith to read the Scriptures. God's not going to do that for you. We're not robots. We need grace. So we waltz our way to the Word. I don't have a hunger. I don't have a thirst. I don't have a passion for the Word. God, I'm looking to Christ. Would You transform me and give me a hunger? Prayer is a means of grace. Worship corporately is a means of grace. We're going to celebrate the sacrament. That's a huge means of grace. All the ordinary means of grace. And then saying yes to holiness. And, and holiness, there's different kinds of holiness. Okay, There's the holiness in the Gospels that often relates to feeding the poor. Feeding the hungry. Taking care of the poor. Giving a cup of water to the thirsty. Visiting the sick. Going to the prison. Okay, that's holiness. And then there's Pauline holiness, which is more uh, ethical, uh, moral character. Avoid drunkenness. Avoid immorality. And, and the, they're both important. It's not an either or. It's a both and. And so as you look at your own life, are you fighting for integration when it comes to holiness? And then the last thing I say before I show a clip to end our time is by nature, personality, baggage, and teaching, every one of us is heavy-footed in one of the steps of the waltz. If I would sit down and have tea or coffee and we talked, we could discern where you're heavy-footed you, you may be a heavy-footed repenter and you tend to see your sin and not run to Christ for fresh faith and, and to be comforted and to be empowered. Some of us, like me, I'm heavy-footed in the fight step. I've got the fight step down. Fight, fight, fight with all your might. Try harder. Victories over the next knoll of just trying harder. Discipline myself more. And often it's Christless. Now, I've met very, very few people that... Um, are heavy foot in the belief step. But I call those the hot tub people. They just sit in the sort of grace jacuzzi. <laughs> you know, and they need to be, come on, there's a life to live. But where are you heavy footed? Uh, the fight step of the waltz, the whole waltz in general is in Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, with awe and reverence. Why? Because it's God who is at work in you, both the will and the work according to your good pleasure, His good pleasure. I'm going to close with a clip that you all are very familiar with. Well, if you're not familiar with the clip, you're at least familiar with the history. Uh, the Darkest Hour, Winston Churchill. I'm a, I, don't, I don't know if this is controversial. I'm a huge Churchill fan. I just thought uh, his inspiration of Britain was tremendous. It's called The Darkest Hour because, because Britain was about ready to, to capitulate to Hitler. It's called The Darkest Hour because the people were tired of the fight. 
It's called the darkest hour because uh, a lot of people in Parliament wanted to pursue uh, a doctrine of appeasement. And they wanted to appease Hitler and give in. And through a series of three speeches over a month's time, uh, Churchill changed the entire attitude of Great Britain. I'm going to show just a piece of that speech. And I want you to ask yourself, where are you tired of fighting? Where has the world, the flesh, and the devil just gotten you to the point where you're tired? And may the hope of the waltz, the expectation of supernatural power coursing from heaven into your soul, may it give you fresh motivation, fresh joy, fresh hope, fresh power, Keep on fighting the good fight. But I have myself full confidence that if all do their duty, if nothing is neglected, and the best arrangements are made as they are being made, we shall prove ourselves once more able to defend our island home, to ride out the storm of war, and to outlive the menace of tyranny, if necessary, for years, if necessary, alone, even though large tracts of Europe and many old and famous states of have fallen or may fall into the, the grip of the Gestapo and all the odious apparatus of the Nazi rule. We shall not flag or fail. We shall go on to the end! We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with, with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets we shall fight in the hills we shall never surrender jesus the author and perfecter of your faith is many many times more inspirational than winston churchill and churchill had no power other than the power of words to share with the people of Great Britain. But even his words inspired them to continue on and to persevere. May what Christ has done and Christ has promised give us all the motivation and the power to keep waltzing, keep repenting, keep believing, keep fighting, and never surrendering. Let's pray.
Father, thank You so much for Your Word that instructs us in repentance, that continually points us to Jesus for our hope, for the power that we need to live the life You've called us to live. And God, remind us there is a life to live. That we're not going to be zapped. That we're called to make holy, godly choices to say yes to righteousness and no to sin. And God, our Father, Holy Spirit, and the Lord Jesus, if there's anybody here today who, who doesn't know that they know that they are in fact trusting in Jesus Christ, might today be the day they transfer their trust from their own efforts at meriting or maintaining your love and salvation. And may they transfer it, their trust completely to the finished work of Jesus Christ alone. And Lord, for Christians who are discouraged, God, would You please speak, whisper to their hearts that Your love for them has not changed, that if they're struggling, they're not beyond the reach of Your grace, and if they're doing great, they're not beyond the need of Your grace. And God, would You pour out Your favor upon this congregation that they be a congregation where it is safe for people to acknowledge their brokenness and sin. And that when they do, they're pointed to Jesus the same way we get ourselves pointed to Christ. And then, Lord, may we constantly call each other to more in Christ by Your grace for the glory of Your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen.